0: Hello, and welcome to the Warden FinTech Podcast. I'm your host, Kian Asani, and today we're joined by Jerry Sai, Director in the San Francisco Fed's Financial Institution Supervision and Credit Group, where he leads the bank's FinTech team. The FinTech team conducts market monitoring, industry engagement, and supervisory support activities to better understand how digital innovations are impacting the financial services sector. Through the FinTech Navigate program, Jerry meets with FinTech firms and other parties, to help them navigate the regulatory landscape with regard to digital payments, third-party risk management, licensing and authorizations of new firms, and alternative data use. Jerry, thank you so much for joining us today on the Warden of FinTech Podcast. We're excited to have you on. Hi, Keon, thanks. It's a pleasure to have the opportunity to join. Great, so uh, to get started, I think it'd be really interesting to hear a bit about your background and how you ended up at the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, and What are your roles and
1: responsibilities there today? Great. Well, thank you. Um, So I have to give sort of a standard regulatory disclaimer as an employee of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco that all the views I express today are solely my own and they may not represent the views of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System, uh, or any other part of the Federal Reserve System. So uh, with that out of the way, uh, I've been at the Federal Reserve For most of my career, I spent about five years with the Board of Governors in Washington and about 13 years here with the Federal Reserve in San Francisco. In between, I spent a couple years in industry as well. Uh, By training, I'm actually a lawyer. Uh, I worked on banking law matters, of course, as well as payment systems matters. And about three or four years ago, I really got into the fintech space here at the San Francisco Fed. Uh, Because of our location right here at sort of the cusp of Silicon Valley, uh, we started hearing about all different kinds of financial innovations and developments in sort of the digital, uh, digital space, and we really wanted to learn more about this and see how it was impacting the traditional financial sector. And uh, with our location, we just had so many easy opportunities to talk to these companies, meet the investors, meet the founders, meet other people in this space, and really get to know a lot more about their business. So we formed a team about three years ago uh, to, to deal with this sort of market engagement and industry intelligence uh, to learn about sort of what were the, the opportunities, what was the promise in FinTech, and what were the risks to the uh, To the traditional financial system as well, and how to best manage those risks while still encouraging innovation and development. So uh, we formed our team, and we are composed now of uh, a small bunch of us who are are really active in this space. We've got someone who's an expert in uh, payment systems and crypto. Uh, We have someone who works on marketplace lending, other people focusing on data aggregation, and, and a real technologist on our team as well. Um, we, we really appreciate the opportunity to meet with so many uh, exciting firms and, and learn about what they're doing in this space. Uh, I should mention a little bit of background, too, about sort of the San Francisco Fed and, and sort sure, of sure. Our, our engagement in this space. Um, you know, as, as you probably know, the San Francisco Fed is, is one component of the Federal Reserve System, and that system is sort of the 12 regional reserve banks spread across the country, Boston, New York, Richmond as well as out here in San Francisco, and the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System, which is sort of the the, uh, government agency that, you know, provides supervision uh, and and oversight across the whole Fed. Collectively, we we operate as sort of the nation's central bank, and and we have, you know, five primary missions, Uh, monetary policy, ensuring financial stability, um, supervising and and regulating uh, certain kinds of banking companies, Uh, operating certain national payment systems and platforms, and promoting consumer protection and uh, community development. So uh, my team, we we sit within sort of that uh, supervision and regulation function of financial institutions, but we're very conscious that fintech is broader than just uh, supervision and regulation, and we have lots of great relationships and able to partner with uh, internal resources and colleagues that work on payment systems matters, technology research and community development as well
0: that's really interesting so I'm, I'm actually curious you spend time at the federal reserve board how did your time there influence your decision to end up at the federal reserve bank in san francisco and what takeaways did you take from the
1: board to uh, the regional bank in sf sure uh you know i spent uh five years at at the board uh it was sort of right when i came out of school so it was sort of the, the first job i had where they didn't make me wear a right? name tag, right? And um, (laughs) I I started off as as a lawyer there in in bank regulation and and supervision, and it's a great experience. I can't speak highly enough of of my experience at the Board of Governors, a bunch of, you know, really smart uh, and and dedicated public servants uh, who know so much about sort of the banking system and, and financial regulation. And uh, you know, I, I am grateful for the great foundation that I, I was able to get there. Uh, and you know, could have seen myself staying a lot longer, but uh, my wife is from the West Coast, and she she really wanted to move to the back to the West. So uh, the first opportunity for me came up was was to leave the Fed for a couple years, and I, I went to work at a bank in in California. And so uh, it was a great experience as well to kind of see what the other side of, of the regulatory environment is like, and, and work in an institution uh, where where you know you're dealing with regulatory compliance and business issues, you know, in a very uh, very real and direct way, and to see how regulation you know impacts businesses, and see how banks and other institutions are are working on on complying with regulations as well. And then, you know, after a couple of years in the industry, I was uh came back to the Federal Reserve in in San Francisco also, and and I like to think that you know I, I'm able to sort of bring my industry perspective as well as as my uh, DC perspective and seeing what things were like inside the Beltway out here to San Francisco as well. Um, the San Francisco Fed, right, we're, we're not a policy-making arm uh, when it comes to financial regulation. Financial regulation policy is all made in Washington you know, we are an implementing arm we're the operating arm of the Fed in the West when it comes to soup and reg so we you know we're going to be out there actually examining the the individual institutions we send people into the field you know we're looking at, at the kinds of uh, data and other reports that those institutions send directly and you know, we have a lot of a uh, lot of opportunities to interact with with both the institutions we directly regulate, as well as the communities that we serve more broadly. How does
0: your team, uh, in interacting with fintechs on the West Coast, provide oversight or regulatory advice? How do you interact with these
1: emerging fintechs? So we have a program here at the San Francisco Fed that we call Fintech Navigate, Um, It is a office hours slash innovation hub kind of program where we are able to meet directly with fintech firms and and other innovators uh, through through an open office hours type program. Our, Our typical office hours are, I think, every other Tuesday in the afternoons. But because we're right here where, where all the action is happening, or a lot of the action is happening in, in FinTech, we're also able to accommodate other, uh, other requests as well. And through these meetings, uh, we, we're able to talk directly with the FinTech firms, learn about sort of their concerns with regulation, and, and try to answer some of their questions as well. Some of the companies we've met with you know, sort of vary in sizes and, and different development stages all the way from you know, the the biggest companies that have regulatory lawyers and government people already, as well as sort of the other side of the spectrum, sort of that Silicon Valley dream, right? Two young people, a great idea in a garage, and, you know, who will know a lot about technology, will be extremely passionate and smart, but they may not know a lot yet about financial regulation. One of the best parts, I think, about this job is, uh, that I get the opportunity to talk to so many of these people in in a informal sort of way where they can explain technology and, and sort of the newest developments to me in a, in a very clear and simple manner. I'm not a technologist by training by any means. And I like to be able to think that I, I can sort of return that favor by helping to explain the, the field of financial regulation back to them in, in equally simple and, and clear terms. We don't provide you know, formal regulatory guidance or legal interpretations. We can't do anything like that through this program. But we often find that the questions that the companies have are, are really fundamental and, and important, and they can be answered with existing public information um, the regulatory sphere can be complex, and sometimes just being able to talk to a regulator or someone in that capacity, and they can tell you sort of where that public information is out there, or what are the other government agencies that might have a more direct role in the regulation, what that's really like. That, that's a
0: amazing resource for, especially your founders, you don't have the resources to staff a team themselves. I imagine you see tons of companies come through your doors for those office hours, and you get a very good idea of what the landscape looks like in fintech and how it's been evolving. I'm curious, how how do you view the fintech landscape um, if you were to map it out?
1: Yeah. So the way I see it, sort of fintech as a, as a fast moving industry has has gone through some evolution over the past couple of years. When I first started uh, my journey in this space about three or four years ago, I think a lot of FinTech at that time was in, in the era of disruption, right? This was FinTech challenging the traditional financial institutions directly. They were gonna burn down the house and change the whole industry. Um, what we then saw a couple years later was FinTech moving into the second phase which was instead of you know, direct competition and head on head fights with, with the traditional FIs, we saw FinTech moving into a more collaborative space where the emphasis was on partnerships and other kinds of relationships between FinTech and financial institutions. Uh, you probably know that most FinTech firms have to rely on a bank or another traditional FI. Uh, somewhere in their stack to help, uh, help them effectively and efficiently deliver various financial services such as originating credits, getting access to the payment systems, or getting permission access to consumer data, financial transaction data. It's that kind of data that's extremely important to help um, fintechs and similar firms sort of design their, their products and services and, and monitor how other consumers are, are actually using such services as well. Right. Um, so in yeah. that kind of space of uh yeah, in, in that space of you know sort of greater collaboration and, and partnership, uh you know, we, we see these fintech firms working directly with banks and, and um and uh the the regulators, the bank regulator like the Federal Reserve, you know, has, has sort of a, a greater stake in that where we have a variety of, of guidance for the institution the banking institutions that we regulate. Uh, about how they need to manage those sort of third-party and, and vendor relationships that they might have with various fintech firms. So that's sort of phase two that began maybe you know two three years ago as well, and it's still going on. And, and I think now we're sort of getting into what I what I think of as, as phase three of fintech, which is fintech firms. You know now they're they're partnering with lots of banks and, and a handful of them have started the process of of really thinking about and actively engaging with us and and other financial regulators about potentially becoming banks or or acquiring banking institutions as well. Uh, I I didn't mention it sort of in my earlier description, but one of my other jobs here at the Federal Reserve uh, Bank of San Francisco is that I lead our applications and licensing team. This is a a regulatory licensing function where part of our responsibility is to help uh, license and approve, uh, new kinds of, of banking companies. Uh, we share that responsibility, of course, with a variety of, of other federal and state regulators, but through that applications and licensing function, we're seeing, um, you know, uh, a handful, I, I don't want to uh, make it sound like it's a flood, but, you know, certainly a handful of fintech companies that are coming in and actively engaging with us about acquiring a traditional banking charter.
0: That's really interesting. I, uh, I imagine you probably see all kinds of fintechs um, and different types of business models. Are you are you primarily seeing fintech emerging fintechs who are trying to become banking challengers or enter the payment space come to your office hours, or do you see even you see capital markets platforms or wealth management or
1: insurtech?
0: What's the diversity of that pool of fintechs that comes to your doors?
1: So while we do see a variety of fintech firms across all these different uh, industry segments, I, I think that the, the majority of the fintech firms that we talk with are in those spaces that you mentioned, sort of you know looking at potential challenger bank platforms, payments, uh, payment services and uh, consumer credit as well. Uh, the Federal Reserve is, is a banking regulator and, and, a, and a, sort of a payment systems operator. So that kind of, I think, informs the kind of companies that will want to come talk with us. We don't have a, a uh, primary or significant role, I think, in the securities or, or commodity space. So I think uh, firms that are, are working on those kinds of issues will probably be reaching out more to you know agencies like the SEC, the CFTC, or some of the state securities regulators. Got it. So who are the
0: primary uh, direct regulators? for fintechs in the banking, payments, uh, credit lending spaces that uh, you engage with? Is it institutions like the FDIC and the CFPB? Um, and how do, how do they interact with fintechs and the Fed?
1: So uh, when it comes to uh, credit activities, consumer credit activities, and money transmission activities, since most fintech firms are not banks, they work directly with state authorities, um, state uh, financial, uh, financial services authorities or, or banking type departments that are able to issue consumer credit licenses and money transmitter licenses in, in their states. They are very active in this space and, and work closely with those fintech firms. Uh, in addition, if you're in the securities or commodity space, there, there could be state licensing requirements as well, but the primary federal authorities usually are the SEC, CFTC, as well as FINRA, which is sort of a uh, you know, self-regulatory organization. And then in the banking sphere, uh, there's there's a variety of federal and state regulators as well. Uh, each state has, has a banking department. And then at the federal level, uh, there's the Federal Reserve, the OCC, which is the Office of the Control of the Currency, they, they uh, license and, and supervise national banks and federal savings associations, and the FDIC, which is, of course, the deposit insurer for the whole uh, the banking system, and the regulator for, for a lot of state banks. I should also mention there's the uh, NCUA, the National Credit Union Administration, which is the federal regulator for uh, insured credit unions in the country as well um there's a there's a you know broad universe of, of regulators in the United States uh in the consumer protection sphere of course one of the primary federal regulators is the consumer financial protection bureau and the federal trade commission also has has a role in in a lot of uh consumer protection and, and similar matters yeah so that's so, a lot of agencies is is that, <laughs> is that
0: is that one of like the main benefits of having an innovation hub like Fintech navigate is that you can direct these fintechs to the right agencies for based on what their product offering is, et
1: cetera. Yep, oftentimes you know when we talk to uh, fintech firms, uh, especially ones that are sort of more in the startup phase, you know that'll be one of the primary questions that they'll bring to us is trying to understand the regulatory uh, landscape and and which government agencies. Uh, could be involved in the supervision of their company. We have great relationships with our colleagues across all the agencies at the federal and state level. So sometimes we'll be able to to talk to that firm and tell them, well, it really sounds like you know the activity you're you're doing is is a state-licensed money transmission type of activity. You know, you should give California a call and, and talk to them directly. And you know, we're able to facilitate that that contact uh, between the, the the agencies. Right.
0: That's. I'm sure it's very valuable, especially for these small garage-type emerging fintechs where it's just two guys in tech who don't know the landscape. Do do these agencies also have similar offerings like innovation hubs or sandboxes the way the Fed does to help these fintechs um, navigate their rules and
1: regulations? So there's a a variety of practice among the the various agencies. The the FinTech Navigate program is is our office hours program here at the San Francisco Fed. Um, The other agencies like the OCC and the FDIC have established uh, offices of innovation that, uh, that engage in a lot of similar kinds of activities. Uh, I believe the CFPB um, was one of the first in the United States to start this kind of program as well, and they have they have a very long-standing program. The states are are getting actively engaged in this space. They have a program called uh, Vision 2020 as well, which uh, is about sort of you know re looking at the way they supervise uh, financial financial institutions, really credit uh, credit providers as well as money transmitters. Um, and and I know they're they're very eager to have discussions with um with a variety of fintech firms. Uh you you mentioned sandboxes. Um I, I should stress that the you know the San Francisco Fed FinTech Navigate program is, is not a regulatory sandbox. Um you know the, the concept of, of a regulatory sandbox I know developed in in um, overseas I think in, in Europe and, and in Asia and while at the federal level in the United States, we don't have a, a regulatory sandbox in, in the sense that they have, say, in, in the U.K. or in Singapore, uh, some of the states are, are developing sandboxes or, or similar kinds of programs. I think uh, out here in the West, one of the, the uh, uh, major uh, contributors in that space is, is, of course, Arizona, which started their sandbox program a couple of years ago.
0: And, uh, and for our listeners, can you briefly explain the concept of the sandbox? Um, and how that helps promote innovation in fintech.
1: Sure. So, as I understand it, you know, a, a regulatory sandbox is is a regulatory program through which uh, fintech firms and and other companies are able to test new and innovative products and services uh, in a in a closely supervised uh, environment and relationship with a regulator, oftentimes the fintech firms and other companies may not feel uh, entirely comfortable or knowledgeable yet as to how their product and service is is going to uh, interact with existing rules and regulations. And they are able in the sandbox environment to sort of provide that information up front to the regulators and, and work closely with them, uh, some jurisdictions like the UK are, are also able to give out, you know, uh, temporary licenses that may be necessary uh, for these fintech firms. In the United States, uh, you know, we, we have a more distributed model for our financial regulatory authorities, uh, both in terms of licensing as well as supervision and, and oversight. Uh, The Treasury Department this past summer, or summer 2018, uh, issued a white paper dealing with a variety of fintech issues, and the Treasury Department sort of noted there was a, a variety of structural differences between the United States and other jurisdictions in terms of how we approach financial regulation. And so while the Treasury white paper calls for the agencies to consider how uh, a sandbox or similar kind of program might be implemented in the United States. I think the white paper also recognized and, and uh, you know, explicitly mentioned that you know the structure of regulation here in the U.S. probably means that any sandbox or similar type program is going to look different than the way it does in in the UK or Singapore, where they have a, a more unitary model of regulation.
0: Yeah, and, and of course, since we're talking about it, I mean it's it's very interesting what's happening abroad with open banking and PSD2 in Europe. What are what are your thoughts on those types of approaches to regulation and innovation uh in other geographies?
1: So, you know, the the question about PSD2 Payments Services Directive uh to and the UK open banking um program, all of these deal with the issue of how consumer financial transaction data, which is held at banks, uh, can be shared on a permissioned basis between the banking firms and other institutions, including fintech parties. Uh, I think, as as I mentioned earlier, a lot of fintech firms are are, uh, really dependent upon and and need to have some kind of access to permissioned uh, consumer financial transaction data, in order to appropriately design and deliver the financial services that they offer, so PSD2 and the the open banking proposals, they they established a set of of rules um, and uh, procedures under which that that kind of data can be shared from the banks, as well uh, over to the fintech companies and other parties as well. Um, PSD2, I think in specifically establishes a licensing regime um, so that, you know, the data that's shared with those third parties, those third parties have to go through licensing and registration and are subject to to some kind of supervisory requirements as well. Uh, The United States has something of a different model. Uh, The Dodd-Frank Act, Section 1033, establishes uh, the the, the overall framework whereby I think um, consumers uh, have a right to access, uh, the, the data that's held at, at a variety of banks and other parties. And what we're seeing in the United States, though, is, is an approach that's somewhat different where we don't have a, you know, an overarching program like PSV2 or open banking, but fintech firms are partnering with banks or, or sometimes, um, uh, working with consumers to, to get that data through a variety of sources. Uh, They can uh, engage in a practice, I think that's called screen scraping, right? This is uh, getting access to the data through the logging credentials and and passwords that consumers share, as well as sometimes direct access relationships between a fintech data aggregator and a bank, as well as, in some cases, uh, open API programs that a handful of banks may have. Uh, It's a a much more... um, you know, complex environment, I think, that we have in the United States. And while we certainly recognize, or I recognize, you know, the, the importance of, of the uh, ability to to access that permissioned data, uh, I'm sort of also conscious about uh, the different, different way our industry operates. And I think the Treasury white paper that I referenced earlier sort of addressed a lot of these issues that have come up here in the U.S in this area, such as um, how do we deal with questions about uh, liability, right, when, when something happens, uh, you say an unauthorized access to such data or, or if the data uh, leads to some other kinds of security breach. You know, the the white paper I, I think reflects a an approach and recommendations that acknowledge uh, the way that the the regulation or the, or the laws in the US work. Um, it doesn't really establish, you know, a recommendation to establish a PSD2 type of regime, but works within the existing framework and to, to call on regulators and other parties to sort of clarify how, um, you know, how the existing laws will, will apply to, to data questions and uh, how, you know, how liability can be clarified, how vendor risk management type of requirements can be clarified to, to encourage, um, better access uh to the data through direct access programs or, or open APIs that the industry wants to develop. So I, I think it's a, an exciting and evolving space and I, I look forward to uh sort of what kind of actions may come out of the Treasury recommendations.
0: Yeah that's that's really interesting. And and while while it is more complex, I definitely understand that the US maybe puts more emphasis on protection of consumer data. Um and is then therefore hesitant to engage in a similar type of open banking or PSD2 regime uh, like they have in Europe and the UK?
1: In the U.S., of course, we are very concerned about protecting consumer data, and I think regulators in in other jurisdictions are concerned about that as well. Uh, When I think about sort of some of the other differences between the way the U.S. is approaching this, uh, I think you have to think about the, the industry landscape here as well. Uh, in some jurisdictions like the UK, the, the banking industry is a lot more uh, concentrated. There are fewer traditional banks and financial institutions, whereas okay. in the United States, we have like some you know, 5,600 uh, commercial banks and savings association and other like 5,000 uh, credit unions as well. So we, we have a lot more financial institutions than other, dis- other jurisdictions might have. And and those institutions are going to have a variety of different kinds of uh, technology resources, and uh, that sort of impacts their ability to to implement a variety of different kinds of programs that that might uh, facilitate different kinds of uh, data access, including, you know, developing APIs or or direct relationships with uh, the data aggregators.
0: That's a great point. And even though... The industry here in the U.S. has consolidated a lot over the past decade. It's still much larger than it is in the U.K.
1: Yeah, um, in terms
0: of number of institutions, absolutely. Uh, so so just that kind of leads me to my next question, which is how, how should regulators balance supporting innovation in financial services while also making sure it is safe for consumers and everyday Americans uh, without putting up too many regulatory barriers to innovation? uh how do you, how do regulators toe that fine
1: line it, it is a fine line indeed and uh i think that that's uh you know a question that uh, a lot of regulators are sort of looking at and, and i know the industry is very interested in this space you know from from my perspective um the the question about uh how we deal with this is, is going to be dealt with in a, in a couple parts um, we we have to uh the Federal Reserve and, and other regulators, you know, protecting the financial soundness of the institutions that we regulate and the, the consumers that are served by such institutions is, of course, a paramount uh, a, a paramount mission for us. And um, we are going to spend a lot of time working on that matter. But even within that framework, I think there are opportunities for us to to consider the promise that FinTech and other kinds of digital innovations can bring, as well as how those risks are gonna be managed. I I hope that it's not going to be just a sort of an or type of question, it's it's not one or the other. Uh, We wanna be able to find a way where where the risks can be managed and understood, but also be open to those promises. Uh, I I agree, it's a fine line and uh, can probably be more challenging in in the implementation than it is in saying it. And I like to think that sort of one of the contributions of the uh, San Francisco Fed and the FinTech Navigate Program is that we have that ability to talk directly with uh, FinTech firms and innovators and and understand where they're coming from and how they are viewing uh, the way that financial regulation is is impacting their services. We talk to the banks, of course, on, on those same questions. So, I think it's a, it's a space where sort of continuing dialogue between regulators and the industry is going to be one of those key components, as well as sort of the continuing dialogue between uh, U.S. regulators and uh, international regulators. Uh, while every financial system and every regulatory landscape is going to be different, um, I, I know that the Treasury White Paper also encouraged U.S. regulators to continue our dialogues and, and uh, had the opportunity to, to share and, and learn from the experiences of how regulators abroad are dealing with, with these same questions and, and, uh, and dealing with their industries as well. Right. And, and, and the U.S. is still, I think it's worth noting, the
0: largest fintech economy in the world. I mean, the most money invested in fintech occurs in the U.S. So clearly those barriers are not have, have not been put up yet,
1: and there's nothing stopping innovation in the U.S. at this point. Yep. Uh, You know, the the U.S. clearly has a very big fintech and and technology industry. We see a lot of uh, investment going on in this space. We see a lot of uh, development of new firms, uh, existing firms transitioning into the fintech space and and see uh, increasing adoption of of digital innovation and and related uh, platforms in in the traditional financial institution space. So, you know, we, we see a See a lot of growth and development here. Uh, we, we always want to, you know, make sure that that we're sort of getting that that balance of regulation right and, and supervision right, um, and you know, look forward to our, our continued interactions with the industry on all these fronts. So I think uh, one other really fascinating area
0: where the private sector and public sector are working together is in regulation technology. Uh, you've seen a lot of financial institutions, large incumbent. Uh, traditional banking players implementing regulation technology. How are regulators uh, working with these private sector players to incorporate um, and build reg tech platforms?
1: So I I don't know that we're necessarily helping uh, parties to build reg tech platforms. I, I think that's sort of a... You know, uh, something that the the industry is doing uh, uh, doing on on their own, be it uh, you know individual non-banking companies as well as as regulated uh, financial institutions. But we, you know, at the San Francisco Fed are are definitely committed to to learning about how uh, RegTech is is working and how it's being implemented. Mm-hmm. And through SynTech Navigate, we meet with a variety of, of firms that are focused in the RegTech space. So it's not just the you know the direct FinTech firms that, that we talk to, but the RegTech programs as well. Uh one of the areas that that we see a lot of uh interest in is in anti money laundering and, and bank secrecy act compliance. Industry uh and and reg tech firms are looking at ways to help develop you know better efficiencies uh, better effectiveness for firms as they try to uh, comply with the anti money laundering type requirements. Uh, one of the issues that that we hear from a lot of firms is you know how do we how do we better identify potential suspicious activities where you know some of the existing platforms they might have. You know, might might kick up you know uh, you know at any time uh, like a hundred different potential suspicious transactions that need to be individually reviewed and looked at by by a person. Um, and so many times they find that there really is nothing suspicious about that transaction. It, it's sort of a normal transaction, but it, it takes time and resource to go through that. And you know, one of the hopes is that some of these red tech platforms can can better identify and, and cut down sort of on on these sort of false hits. And also, perhaps maximize the the number of uh, sort of true hits out there, um, and thus they can, you know, the, the fintech companies and, and banks can can better allocate their resources to those to those uh, hits that are are really reflective of potential suspicious activities. Uh, in that vein, while I mentioned that the San Francisco Fed were not a policy setting or, or rulemaking arm, I, I do note that the. The Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System and, and some of the other uh, financial regulators uh, in D.C. also issued a joint statement uh, last December uh, to encourage banks uh, to consider and evaluate where appropriately how they can responsibly implement innovative approaches, uh, including through the use of artificial intelligence uh, to meet their Bank Secrecy Act and anti-money laundering compliance programs, uh, of compliance obligations.
0: Yeah, that's that's a huge issue for large banks at the moment, and I'm assuming emerging fintechs as well who are building large client bases. You spend a lot of time with entrepreneurs, obviously, and fintech founders. I'm curious what recommendations you might have for entrepreneurs looking to start their own fintech company and how they should engage with regulators
1: as they grow. So uh, I, I would encourage uh, entrepreneurs and, and other companies to take advantage of, of programs like FinTech Navigate and, and the other sort of office hour programs that the regulators have. We really do want to uh, have this chance to meet with people and engage with the industry. I think one of the primary areas that we have discussions with uh, with, with entrepreneurs and, and investors on in this space relates to vendor risk management, and third-party risk management requirements that that banks may have. Uh, As as I mentioned earlier, um, a a lot of FinTech is about partnerships with banks and other traditional SIs. And the way the regulators view this is that uh, these kinds of partnerships uh, can sometimes be vendor or service provider relationships where the FinTech firm is providing a, a kind of service to these banks, be it in the field of like loan originations um, or, or uh, the you know, provision of RegTech tech or other products and services, and if if it is a vendor or third party uh, type of relationship, the the bank is still responsible for the way the fintech firm uh, carries out those activities. Right, a, a bank can't just contract with a third party and and um, and have that third party then conduct activities uh, without the the kind of oversight that the bank is subject to. So, you know, we we view those those activities as still being, uh, you know, something that the bank is, is doing, albeit indirectly. And we have these vendor risk management programs that talk about, you know, the kind of due diligence and oversight and ongoing monitoring and contingency plans that banks have to have when they work with third parties like fintech firms. So oftentimes when a fintech firm is approaching that same bank, they're going to find that the, end of the bank wants a ton of information about them, about their company, about the product and the service that they're offering, about the compliance regime that they have, and, and what kind of programs they have to address risk management and, and customer issues. And you know, these kinds of requirements are largely spelled out or, or originate from the vendor risk management guidance that... Uh, the Federal Reserve and the other agencies have in this uh, in this field, and so I think you know if there's one area I could suggest for fintech uh, entrepreneurs to to look into, it's, it's really understand that the kind of requirements that the that the Federal Reserve and other regulators have for banks with respect to these kinds of partnerships. You know, the, the guidance is all public, and so. You know, you have an opportunity to kind of look at it in advance, and, and knowing what your bank partner is, is going to want and expect from you will help you sort of get your pitch together and, and get your program uh, together so that you can work most effectively with your bank partner.
0: Jerry, that is fantastic advice. Thank you so much for being on the Warren Fintech podcast today. We really appreciate your time. We know you're very busy. Thank you so much. Really appreciate this chance, Ken.